0: I had this deep feeling that you know I started doing this for all the wrong reasons they were completely ego based it was a vanity project there was no real passion uh every day of it was like a grind and a chore so I walked away from it and literally after I walked away from it I've lost count of people that came up to me and I'm like what are you doing don't give up you know yeah. <laughs> like you put so much time and blood sweat and tears into this And I was like, no, this is 100% the right decision. Um, But it takes courage to walk away from something you've poured your heart and soul into.
1: The podcast where we dive deep into the minds of millionaires and entrepreneurs living their version of success. So you can get there too. This podcast was born from my own personal obsession with learning from successful people and I have traveled the world in order to put myself in a room with the best of the best, millionaire and billionaire entrepreneurs, celebrities with massive influence and icons who are changing the world with their message. My name is Bethan Jepson. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and I'm on an absolute mission to make wealth, success, influence, and change accessible to everyone who is willing to do what it takes to earn it. Get ready for some amazing interviews where we reveal some epic and unheard of millionaire business and lifestyle secrets. I'm on a personal journey of seeking my own version of business success, but without sacrificing my happiness. If you believe in the success without sacrifice ethos too then I invite you to join the free Success Circle Network community where we collaborate, problem solve and support each other. You can get all the information via my website at Bethandjepson.com. Welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of the Millionaire Secrets podcast. Sarah Sabin quit the financial corporate world back in 2015 to take her side hustle startup full-time which she later quit despite it still being a successful business today in fact it's the world's biggest doctor-led community and marketplace for doctors exploring alternative careers and well-being she then launched a second startup which upon securing investment for which is no easy feat she decided to quit again during this time she also quit living in the uk instead finding a home in Malaga, Spain. This all led to her finding the career path in which she says she will never quit. Her coaching business, where she works with high growth entrepreneurs who want to 10X their business in the next few years. Sarah is the master of strategic quitting and finding your own path in entrepreneurship, which she writes about extensively for Entrepreneur Magazine and Fast Company. Translating her journey into my own language, I would say Sarah's journey is an unapologetic search for her version of success without sacrifice, and it's clear she has now found it. Now she's on a mission to do what few coaches have actually managed to achieve, scaling to seven figures while still providing quality transformations. This was an honest conversation in which it became clear to me how much Sarah loves what she does, how she has a very straightforward process for making the journey of entrepreneurship a bit less rocky for herself and for her clients, And how evolved her perception of risk is as well as her resilience. I would love to hear your key takeaways on social or by email but for now please enjoy this episode. Okay welcome Sarah Sabin to the Millionaire Secrets podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. Yeah thank you for having me Beth. Yeah it's an absolute pleasure. Excited to dive in. Um, So yeah so as my listeners will know we kind of always start with Uh, the same set of questions it kind of just gives everybody a good feel as to your background and the way your mind works and um, yeah kind of (laughs) just cut straight to the good stuff really so if you're happy I'll just start firing away. Yeah please do. Wonderful
0: Uh, okay so Sarah tell me where do you live? So I am from London but actually I spend quite a lot of my time living in Spain In Ah. Malaga, specifically.
1: Okay, amazing. Um, So, well, my next question is, where did you grow up? So was that London? Yes.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And um, what was your first job and what did it teach you?
0: So actually, I I suppose I had a, a few first jobs, but I'll go to my first, first job because I took a gap year before I went to university many moons ago. And that gap year job was um, an analyst in a public sector consultancy firm. Oh, wow. So I was, yeah, I was there for like six or seven months. Um, feels like <laughs> literally was like over 20 years ago. Um, what did I learn from that? I guess it was my first foray into working in an office environment. Um, and so... think it was actually quite good to have that experience before coming out of university and going into the world of work Mm. um, for real and I think you know I learned a lot about social interaction within the office because I think that is what um office work is good for I'm a big believer in a hybrid work structure going forward although you know, certain roles being remote um, is perfectly feasible but I think that office interaction really teaches you a lot about um, social awareness and relationship management.
1: Mm. Did you have a role model or a mentor that inspired you to start your first business and if so who was that?
0: Um, so in terms of starting a business um, the first business I started was back in 2014 um, and I started uh, as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed startup founder I think at that stage um, in my life I don't remember having specifically a mentor that I drew knowledge from it was simply a case of my friend saying to me hi do you want to be co-founder of this startup and i said okay great what a great idea let's let's do it um and i just sort of leaped into it rather than um, rather than going in because i had long intense conversations with someone that was where i wanted to be but over the course of my entrepreneurial journey i've had many mentors that you know, either people that I've met and connected with, other entrepreneurs. Um, So I've had uh, a former coach of mine who's um, an American lady, and I am still in touch with her, Um, but she was an incredible mentor for me. Um, She has a million dollar coaching business. She's really making a big impact in the world um, and I've also had the real privilege of speaking to entrepreneurs that are making like crazy impact in the world. So I talked to someone the other day who um, basically um, retrains and re-educates um, criminals. So um, they go into prisons, they help them when they come out of prison um, and you know, it's, it's my privilege to speak to people like that. And I pick up something from each one of these people and bring it into what I'm doing. And I like to have a number of people coming from different perspectives as my mentors rather than focusing on one particular person.
1: What was your biggest lesson you took from the pandemic?
0: So the biggest lesson I took from pandemic is in um, any disaster and I appreciate how incredibly stressful it was for a lot of people but in anything like that there is opportunity if you open your eyes to seeing that so um, for example my partner romantic partner I will say (laughs) not business partner um, but he um, was running yoga retreats in Spain prior to the pandemic as you can imagine that kind of all went um out the window with mm-hmm. no one being able to travel so he is now doing various other things um, that came up as new opportunities because old avenues had shut so you know it's about how you look at something as well um if one door closes another avenue can open or you can reformulate what you are doing in a different way
1: mm, yeah absolutely that's uh, yeah very very helpful i think to a lot of people um what's your next big
0: goal so my next big goal <laughs> speaking of million dollars um so Um, my next big goal is to build um, a million I seem to work in dollars in my head for some reason I I work with a lot of American clients so (laughs) to build a million dollar coaching business with different branches to that business really making a big impact on a leadership and b entrepreneurship so I think it's so important that um, as an entrepreneur, you have um, a bigger connection to what you're doing than just making money or you that kind of egoic drive.
1: Mm. It
0: needs to be, you know, rooted in a strong why.
1: Mm. And do you think, um, cause I've often heard this actually from a few guests, like, uh, and, and also, my mentors as well that there's a certain financial level where you don't even think about the money anymore like do you do you think the million dollars might be your financial level or do you or i suppose you do you even know do you even (laughs) do you even know what that is yet
0: (laughs) um i think that level looks different for everyone Mm. you know for some people um they might be happy with a six-figure business um you know that's that's where I am at the moment. Mm. A year ago, I would have <laughs> I would have been like, oh my god, that's ecstatic! I'm really happy. When I started thinking bigger, it wasn't necessarily about the money per se, because I have I have enough money now to live yes. pretty comfortably. It's about doing more and impacting more people. Mm. Um, And also, you know, the more wealth you build within that business, the more energy you have to devote to other things that you might not necessarily have time for. So, for example, I care very much about um, the education of children, but in a different way, because I feel like the educational system doesn't prepare children that well for the world as it is anymore. You don't learn about um, financial planning or emotional well-being or any of that so that's something I care deeply about um, and a few other causes as well that I would like to get involved in and you know provide my coaching services too but that's the kind of thing that you do when you have um, more time and more capacity in the business um, and you get to that level by scaling up mm. so Yes, it's about money and building wealth to a certain extent, but it's about what that can do because I think a lot of the problems in the world come from money being concentrated in the hands of people that don't do. Sure. <laughs> don't do anything particularly helpful or good with that money.
1: Yeah
0: mm, okay.
1: what's um? what's kind of an act of bravery that you consider you've kind of performed in your life? Like what, what potentially is the biggest act of bravery? Um, Yeah. Bungie jumping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always say that because I am, I'm actually terrified of heights. I I have done a bridge swing off a bridge over the Zambezi river, but I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with like a psychological act of bravery. Um, I think you know, and I've written an article about this strategic quitting. Mm. So, um, it's basically, I think the whole maxim of don't give up fight to the end can be misunderstood, but by all means fight to the end and don't give up if it is the right thing. Yeah. However, uh, recognize when something is not the right thing, And don't hold on to it just because your ego is like, oh, I don't want to be seen to give up and I don't want other people to talk about me, etc. So one of the um, biggest acts of courage you can do is to go against the grain, go against what people are saying you should do, because you know it is the right thing to do. And actually... I was catching up with a former client, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and he said to me, Sarah, he's American, Sarah, we're making decisions. If, um, if everyone says to you that you're crazy, then you know you're on the right track because mm. you're thinking outside the box. And he's right. So in my case, that looked like my second startup, which to all intents and purposes looked like you know, it was going well, it was getting traction, we just got this big investment officer, officer, offer, rather, Um, people were using the platform, um, etc, etc. And I knew, for me, that as CEO of that business, I can take that investment offer and promise to be there for the next three to five years. Because I had this deep feeling that, you Know, I started doing this for all the wrong reasons, they were completely ego based. It was a vanity project, there was no real passion. Uh, every day of it was like a grind and a chore. So, I walked away from it, and literally, after I walked away from it, I've lost count of the people that came up to me and were like, What are you doing? Don't give up! You know, <laughs> like you put so much time and blood, sweat, and tears into this, and I was like. No, this is 100% the right decision. Um, But it takes courage to walk away from something you've poured your heart and soul into. Um, And especially when other people are like, what are you doing? That's crazy. Why would you do that? Mm. So was it when
1: you got that investment offer, like was it achieving the goal of that that made you then go? Because I suppose what I'm getting at is I think if you're focused on a very specific goal you kind of just put the blinders on and like you just put your head down and focus on that and it's only then when you actually achieve the goal that you look up and go oh wait do I even do I even want like (laughs) do I even want that like
0: (laughs) no I mean that wasn't the case for me actually Um, because I brought on a small team now first of all I had investment right beginning to build uh, a um MVP minimum viable product um so I had a small team I brought on a co-founder and the co-founder had actually been tasked with <laughs> speaking to investors by that point so he was the one that rang me up I remember where I was I was in Heathrow airport at the time he rang me it's like what's the sofa," and um you know we'd been talking about it but I you know, wasn't particularly invested in it as a goal. Mm. And my heart sank. Mm. Like, there's literally no other way of describing it. Um, and so, for me, it's people don't pay attention to their feelings. Um, how you feel about something is an indication of whether it's right or wrong. Mm. Yeah,
1: interesting and is that so how long did it take you after that realization to then actually walk away from that business
0: um I believe I was done in the next couple of months so um I knew at that point so at the point of having this phone call um I would have to have a conversation with my co-founder so um. I had that conversation with him and he was like, are you sure? Don't you think that's crazy? (laughs) Usual usual stuff. I was like, no, no, I'm sure. I'm sure this is the right decision for me. You need to think about this as well. So he had to do some processing as well. And um, that was that. But I always knew it was the right decision. I suppose at the time that I got to that phone call I'd come to the conclusion anyway I just hadn't been pushed into making a decision Mm. but the point that someone makes an offer you can't sort of sit on your hands for the next two months and be like maybe yes maybe no Mm.
1: and so what happened to the business did the business kind of did somebody else take it over and it's still going or did it did it shut its doors the moment you left like what happened
0: So I've I've had two startups in my time. The first startup is still going. So um, it's still being run by my co-founder. The second one, one of the things that my co-founder at the time had to consider is, do you want to be CEO of this business and run everything yourself? Mm -hmm. Uh, The answer that he came to was no. I said, okay, well, let's wind it down then. Mm.
1: Okay, wow. Mm yeah some would definitely say that was brave <laughs> for sure um what are you finding challenging in your life or business right now
0: um is it weird to say nothing, <laughs> no, I think nothing so if that's the, the truth then that's that's cool um I suppose the only thing is um I'm, I'm launching, I guess, a new arm or product to the business, which is uh, the kind of getting that going work has been significant mm. put it that way. So, a um, bit of a time challenge, but it's kind of upfront time for long term benefit. Okay. Um, other than that, I don't think I have too much in my way challenge wise at the moment. Mm.
1: Can you share what this new product? Is or
0: is it too? Is it under wraps? No, I can't (laughs) tell what it is. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to, I guess, like to put this into context the bulk of the clients I work with at the moment are entrepreneurs, high growth businesses. So, they're kind of at the maybe one million dollar mark and they want to 10x over the next five to ten years. So I'm very used to working with entrepreneurs and helping them to, you know, double, double their revenues, grow their team, et cetera, within six months to a year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I had come from that background uh, myself as well, so I was like, right, well, you know what would be helpful if I helped um, entrepreneurs at an earlier stage on their journey. So um, basically what I'm planning to do is a 90-day group program for coaches and consultants that want to build a six-figure business quickly without basically working every hour of God's end and without using kind of expensive marketing strategies and PR and all of that. Because I think that kind of everything I do is about the inside out piece. So it's getting your internal environment in order, your mindset behind it, and then taking the right focused actions on the outside. Mm. And I think that's where it can get very confusing because there's so much information out there and you're like, oh, I could do this, could do that, could do the other. There are certain core things that you could do at an early stage, but then narrowing that down to, okay, well, what should I be doing based on my personality, my niche, et cetera, is something else. So um, that's really been... You know a passion of mine um kind of sorting through all the noise um and something that i feel be helpful for coaches and consultants that you know actually want to build a sustainable business
1: mm-hmm. interesting and i'm because i've done coaching for that kind of audience for a while now um, so i'd love to actually get your thought on something mm-hmm. based on this theme of strategic quitting. Um, because every now and then I'll be coaching someone and they'll be like, oh, I've got this, the next best idea. And, you know, they give me the idea. Um, <laughs> and I mean, who am I to say if it's not going to work or not? Maybe it would have worked. My instinct is, to, is that it's not going to work. Um, but I sometimes find it quite difficult to just confront somebody and be like, I don't think that's going to work. Um, I can and you know I can tell them all the reasons why, and sometimes I'll start with the reasons before I'll be like before I like then summarise, so it's not going to work. <laughs> um, but sometimes like people come to me and they've already got like three quarters of the way down the road. Um, how do you like? How do you feel about telling other people? Because you know we can all make these decisions for ourselves, and I do think that's a real skill when you know when to quit something um how do you feel about telling other people (laughs) that when they're like so passionate about it and so invested and so in love with it
0: so basically the first thing I would say is number one it's not my place to ever tell people that Mm. this is not what you should do Mm. because actually and, and let's put this in another context so uh you have a friend that always goes out with um Horrible men. Yes, yes. <laughs> I put <John> that in <laughs> quite nice English. Um, so you telling them so they meet someone they're like, oh my god, this is John. He's like no one I've ever met before, and you can see that John is exactly like everyone else that she's gone out with in different package. And you tell her that, and she's like, no, you're wrong. Until she discovers John for herself, mm. and then recognizes it as a pattern, mm. and then changes that pattern the pattern won't change so similarly saying to someone well this idea won't work Mm. isn't enough by itself you need to help them see for themselves whether that idea will work or not Mm. and that's a combination of helping them to understand how they feel about it so you know that gut feeling of you know this is going to work or this isn't going to work helping them to um understand the reasons why they're doing it helping them to understand you know where it fits in in the bigger picture of what they're trying to achieve because sometimes people are trying to do things that are completely at odds with yeah you know the bigger picture
1: hmm. so
0: reconnecting people with the bigger picture can help them see that um and then also the practical element of okay well you've been doing x in this way for however long and it's not working out why do you think Mm. that might be
1: yeah Mm. it's interesting yeah it's always (laughs) it's hard to have those conversations so yeah it's 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 good to hear someone else's take on it um yeah the second someone says oh i've got the best idea my heart sinks i'm like okay (laughs) okay let's hear it then (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean with entrepreneurs that shiny object syndrome is definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um so you know where someone is has 8,000 ideas at the same time. <laughs> I've had clients like this, they're literally like all over the place with everything. You have to focus them in.
1: Mm. It's
0: not about trying to do everything at once, it's focusing on a few things at a time and then branching out. Mm. So you know it's not to say that that idea can never happen it's just should it happen now or should it happen later down the road or should it not happen at all because actually Mm -hmm. your ego is just invested in doing this and you're doing it for all the wrong reasons
1: yeah I tend to have a bit of a golden rule I tend to say like unless it's going to contribute to what you're doing right now and you're still you know feeling passionate about what you're doing right now and put it on I like make a list of like ideas to look at in six months time and then in six months time if you look at that idea and you're still like oh yeah this is a good idea (laughs) then maybe (laughs) yeah
0: Um, yeah I mean (laughs) look it comes down to resources if you have the resources to try everything then be my guest but at an early stage you don't (laughs) (laughs) it's as simple as that yeah
1: it's so true um Okay, amazing. What has been one of the best days in your career?
0: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's so hard to say. Um, Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll take out anything to do with the corporate environment, I'll take out the equation. I'll also take out my startup journey out of the equation. The best part of my career by far has been my coaching journey mm. um and that's not to say you know it's been easy but it's been worth it so it's something that I'm not ever going to give up on because mm. you know I don't want to I think maybe if I had to pinpoint it to one day it's it was the day when everything clicked and I was clear that this is the business I want to build. So I was like, I want to build a coaching business. And that was however long ago now, just over two, two and a half years ago now. And um, bear in mind, actually, I'd been really resistant to calling myself a coach for ages. I was like, no, (laughs) I don't agree with that. And then, i'd come across transformational coaching i'd had some energy healing and something just clicked in my brain um and i don't know how to describe it other than when i started doing it it came from a place of pure joy Mm. which is difficult difficult to find in work and it certainly hasn't been pure joy every single day since then (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately Um, but for the most part when I step back and look at the bigger picture I'm like this has been a really joyful journey I've worked with people I loved working with they got amazing transformations um, they appreciated the work that I did um, I get to talk to inspirational people all the time who are doing you know like like this chap that I talked to with um, re-educating offenders I mean, you know, it's that kind of stuff. It's, it's a career in general that brings me joy.
1: Yeah, amazing. And on the other side of the coin, then, what have been some of the hardest days? I know you've talked about on your startup journey, um, but is there anything else that comes to mind?
0: I think actually this ironically also happened with my coaching journey and I'm gonna focus on that because um, I think it's important to say that in any journey even if you're sure it's the right thing there are times when you're in turmoil Mm -hmm. yes the second startup that I had every day was crap <laughs> um, so you know that aside that was a bad period but if we're talking about comparing you know light and dark here for example July 2020 I was and I'm just quite open about talking about this I was in a really bad place psychologically um, so much so that I was like, okay, I now actually understand that I have, uh, I think it was like moderate or mild depression anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really impacted my business at that time because I was like, nothing's working, nothing's working. Um, all the, you know, I was just in a really bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a really dark period for me. But I think the important part in that was, A, vocalizing that that was what was going on for me to my romantic partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the very strong decision that I'm gonna lean into the pain here. I'm gonna process through all of this stuff and why it's come up and I'm gonna deal with it now because I know if I don't deal with it now, it's gonna drag on, it's gonna affect both me and my business because at the end of the day you know when you're talking to people they can feel you know if if you're in this sort of dark place and it's not particularly an energy I want to pass on to anyone I'm working with so anyway I think that day you know as dark as it was I was like right okay I'm going to face my demons and then you know I started uh, doing therapy and I started doing a few other things but within a month to a month and a half it had gone Mm. like and um that coincided with uh my business accelerating very rapidly and that is not an accident you know I say it again and again how you are on the inside you need to sort that out because Mm -hmm. it will hold you back on the outside Mm. yes and that's
1: very powerful very powerful lesson um, that I too resonate with uh, so thank you for sharing that. So kind of my ethos and and, and why I do what I do why I, you know the kind of root of all my personal decisions and um, professional decisions um, is based on a concept um, that I call success without sacrifice so I'm just on this mission of trying to a I had to discover what that was for me and then be kind of commit to it and um, figure out a path to that to that life for myself um but obviously everyone's got different versions of success and everyone's got different versions of sacrifice so I'm always curious to ask um you know what your version of success without sacrifice is
0: that's such an interesting question and a great mantra actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like that when I write it so basically um again a pattern i see again and again with the type of people i work with they associate success with sacrifice yeah um and that is a belief system that's very often uh ingrained into your subconscious psyche i um certainly recognize that i hold or held a similar belief along the lines of um in order to deserve um, money and success i need to work really really hard and it's interesting because people validate that right they're like oh you deserve it you work yeah. so hard <laughs> so they're reinforcing the idea of success as sacrifice um it doesn't have to be that way so it's it's literally a shift in mindset success needs to be based in giving value to people and creating a positive impact That I very firmly believe in. But that does not mean it needs to be at the sacrifice of you and your life. So success without sacrifice to me means are you getting the balance that you want? Are you working the hours you want with the kind of people that you want, uh, creating the kind of impact that you want, um, finding joy and fun in your work without feeling like a drag all the time? Um, and just, I, I think it comes back to holistic success because mm-hmm. again, if your whole life is about work and you have nothing else, you know, how are you gonna feel when you get to the end of your life and that's all you've done and all you've achieved? Is mm. it worth it? And for some people, okay, if, if the answer is yes, the answer is yes, but it, it wouldn't be my version of success and for most people i think it wouldn't be their version of success.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um why do you think um why do you think it's so hard to break that cycle of associating kind of time and working long hours and working hard with like the concept of success? Why why is that so difficult for us to let go of, do you think?
0: it's it's such deeply ingrained programming um for example you know you can actually understand whether you feel like that by how resistant you are to certain things so um for example um i know multi-million dollar business owners that you know don't work every hour i know a lot that do right (laughs) but i know those that don't and they say actually the More money I make, the less I work, mm. and initially, you know, I was really resistant to that. I'm like, Well, how can that be? That doesn't seem fair, blah, blah blah. So, you and then you're like, Okay, well, why am I thinking that? and then you go back to, Okay, well, because I always work really hard, and that's what people validate in you. They're like, Oh, well done, you're working really, really hard, good on you. Mm. Um, and There's also, of course, this uh, badge of honor for people being like, oh, my God, I'm so busy. I'm such a busy person. (laughs) I'm just so busy all the time. And everyone's like, oh, well done you. You must be you must be important. You must be deserving of success. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes was by um, a success coach called Steve Chandler. And he said, busyness is just laziness Mm. because essentially you're not taking the time to differentiate what's actually important you're just running on a treadmill and you're getting that external validation as well Mm. and the more you get that the more it becomes ingrained within you and it becomes a very difficult pattern to break and whilst you might think at a conscious level well of course I don't want to work 80 hours a week in order to have a million pound business whatever it is Mm. until that sinks in at a much deeper level and you start um reprogramming your habits and behaviors then the chances are you will continue working like that Mm. and in order to break a pattern um you need to be aware of it and consciously choose to do the opposite Right. So, so for me, um, part of part of the reason why I'm sort of branching out my business is so that I can leverage my time um, and create a bigger, and that creates a bigger impact. And the more value I provide to people and the more people change, that that translates to abundance in all respects
1: Mm. yeah um I'm glad you brought up actually because I always I have a deep admiration for a coach or a consultant uh or anyone I suppose whose business is based off their like their expertise like their brains their (laughs) like you know the the themselves that they've crafted um because yeah that's the one downside isn't it is that it, it? if you're not careful it's always then your time it's always the value of your service it's not just what's in your head and your experiences and whatnot but it's it's in your time
0: and yeah what no I mean I I agree with that so number one like you will only have enough time to work with a finite amount of people without burning out yeah so f- for me um I knew that I would not want to be working 80 hours a week. So I have a finite number of one-to-one clients I will take on at any one time. Um, So you either risk burning out and impact more people Mm. or you just impact a finite number of people. But the thing is with expertise, it does not have to necessarily come through a one-to-one conversation. It can come through many mediums. It can come through... Um, an online portal or an online course it can come through a group work it can come through uh, a speech so it's it's about thinking about how can I leverage my expertise to impact more people Mm. because that's why your expertise exists right so that you can share it otherwise (laughs) otherwise it's pointless having all this expertise okay, um,
1: okay. I'm gonna ask you a bit of a controversial question um, <laughs> so I hope that's okay
0: <laughs> oh, I love controversial questions please do
1: um, do you think online courses work in from like a you know a coaching kind
0: of online course oh yes controversial question um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes and no okay um They can do, right? So if someone buys an online course and the person taking the course is absolutely committed to (laughs) seeing that course through, then yes, it can work for them. However, without um, some kind of structure to hold them accountable or um, help them to pick out the nuances or the specific sections of a course that someone needs to focus on, then it's not that impactful really Mm. because most people, if left to their own devices, they can consume information, right? I mean, there's so much information out there to consume. The, the, um, the point of value comes from um, uh, being able to process that information, see how it applies to you personally and focus in on the right things that you need to be focused on um, and then being held accountable to that and that can't come purely from doing an online course so that's why um, I think hybrid structures so you've got some online information then you've got that extra support as well can work quite well to help people create those transformations
1: Mm, yes no I 100% I totally agree with that um I was just curious because um obviously online courses became very very popular <laughs> in uh, over the pandemic uh in both you know for people who you know wanted an extra they needed they needed an extra income um and I yeah just the amount of people then selling the courses on how to build an online course <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that, that was actually
1: a big thing as well wasn't it
0: It's case I an
1: online course <laughs> it yeah it just went through the roof so um and I I often get my clients asked the question like oh should I have an online course or what order should I do things in should I coach one-to-one first and then call I always I always say I think you should always coach one-to-one first because you need to learn how to be a good coach like you need to learn the formula and like you just said like the like the relationship between accountability and knowledge and you know consequence and goals and <laughs> it's different it's different for everybody everybody needs slightly different levels of everything so um yeah so it's just a, it's a it's a, i just find i'm always talking about it so i was curious what your thoughts were um okay so and really actually your story is very intriguing um because and even when like the first question I answered I asked you about like where do you live and where you where have you come from and you obviously said you'd spent uh, a portion of your kind of early life in Spain
0: so no I mean early life I didn't live in Spain I'm from London um I've been with my romantic partner who i think i can now start calling my fiance i've just been calling him partner for so long it's quite <laughs> ridiculous but um <laughs> exactly. thank you we've been together seven years um and uh he's been running yoga retreats out here for since 2008 so 12 years now take off yeah. a year for the pandemic um and essentially i met him in 2014 when i came on a yoga retreat here Mm. and um we were doing long distance for about a year i mean there's more to that story but eventually we started going out towards the end of 2014 and uh we did long distance for just over a year that coincided with my plans to leave the corporate world anyway so i decided around 2014 i was done with corporates and it wasn't a question of me moving jobs Mm. for for a higher salary um that wasn't going to fill the satisfaction void so to speak Mm. so um because i was running this startup in conjunction with still being in my last job i was like okay well great this is all going well let's leave the corporate world and go do this uh, full time so that's what i did at the end of 2015 i was done with working in central london i worked in a very nice area <laughs> actually um in mayfair but um so i was done with uh that work and i was like right now the startup journey is for me so around about that time i was like right okay so now i can work remotely let's go spend more time in spain Mm -hmm. so i suppose you could say i moved out here at the end at the beginning of 2016. um however during the startup journey um i was actually probably more in the UK than Spain Um, especially when it came to sort of the second startup where I was actively going out to talk to clients in London etc so um, I was sort of back and forth for a few years um, and then the pandemic hit (laughs) and uh, I was like well no one's meeting anyone anyway so (laughs) let's just spend more time here mm-hmm. so essentially since beginning of 2020 i've been here most of the time i say maybe three months in london um on average over the last couple of years um i come back and forth do bits and pieces i have some clients uh in central london so um yeah that's how i come <laughs> that's how i came to be here um and the pandemic I suppose pushed me into a more settled phase and actually it was quite nice not to go back back and forth every single month to be Mm -hmm. honest
1: yeah no, I can imagine um the reason I'm intrigued by it all is because um it's the kind of concept of risk um and I think obviously you know risk is you know you're having a risk tolerance is important in entrepreneurship um but I'm always intrigued like where that comes from like where and and just the story you described there of how like you left your corporate job and then you moved countries and then like you're doing the startup like that's quite a lot of that's quite a lot (laughs) like arguably a lot of risk in quite a short space of time so where does that tolerance come from do you think
0: I think so. Number one, I will say you you pointed out a big thing, which is a lot of changes happen at once. So, yes, the beginning of 2016, it hit me that all of these changes happen at once. I did go through a good few months of being like, <laughs> like, a de- like in case you're just listening to the audio of this, like a deer in the headlights kind of face, um, because I've gone from this very structured life to. I, I don't know, <laughs> to a not very structured life, changing country, uh, moving in with someone, etc. Um, So it was difficult to adjust to. I think uh, with regards to the risk tolerance, I handled it in two ways. So number one, the financial risk I minimized because I had a nest egg. Um, that I knew I could fall back on and I think for most people that nest egg is psychologically necessary Mm. to take away that fear element there are very few people that I would say yeah throw throw caution to the wind and leap off the cliff tomorrow with no money and nothing (laughs) um so you know, it's, it was measured risk in that respect. And also the startup was already successful at the time that I went to do it full time. Right. So, Yeah. That minimized that risk. Um, But I think the other way that I deal dealt with it quite honestly was denial. I was like, yeah, it's all going to be great. Um, Everything will be fine. Um, You know, blah 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 so in my head I was like moving in with someone's gonna be fine that's gonna be no problem at all um I'm gonna be in this startup forever and ever and ever and that's all gonna be fine etc so I was psychologically naive (laughs) naive about everything and you know nothing panned out exactly as I expected Hmm. so you know you're resilient when you're like comfortable in the uncomfortable Mm. but I wasn't quite there yet when I decided to go on that journey it's something the resilience is something I've developed over time
1: Mm. no it's um it's yeah it's fascinating to when you actually try and unpick like yeah what makes what makes your kind of the character that's enabled you to have success as an entrepreneur like where those kind of traits come from um because
0: resilience i mean resilience is key and i think you need that sort of positivity positivity is key Mm. um not false positivity but that kind of uh being able to understand what's going on with you internally to come back to that point um but you know it's interesting because I don't think you can be a successful entrepreneur without resilience. Mm. I think it's one of the absolutely key things. Um, And I did, I think this was about a year ago, I asked people close to me, you know, describe, describe to me in three words what you my best qualities, whatever the question was. Every single one of the people I asked said, resilience or persistence which is Mm kind of the same thing anyway
1: yeah
0: um and that's not to say though that if you don't feel particularly resilient you never will be it's something you can build up but you have to choose to build it up because it's quite simply the ability to bounce back from things happening and get up and carry on
1: Mm. yes no absolutely um I'm just conscious of the time so I know you need to get out of here on time um so I'll, I'll throw my final question at you um which is basically so I, again a question I ask everybody um and it's to do with the name of this podcast which is Millionaire Secrets so um I'm always interested to kind of yeah kind of hear I don't know I suppose like the kind of core ethos of each individual's yeah, like the way that they or the, like their own their reflection on their own journey and to think like why 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 was I successful? Like what was it? Um which is quite simply why I ask you like Sarah, what what in your opinion, based on what you know and what you've been through, is your millionaire
0: secret? Um I'm actually <laughs> I'm gonna go a bit off piece, um, not too off piece. I'm gonna say a couple of things that are important. Not only for me, but uh, the clients that I have that are millionaires. So I see certain patterns in them. Number one, the element of intention. Mm. I cannot stress how important that is. Being able to visualize yourself as something, and I don't mean this necessarily in an airy-fairy. You have to spend hours visualizing every day but just have a very very clear idea of it so for example um some of my clients said i knew i would be a millionaire by the age of 30 or i knew that i would uh, create um this uh, one of the best video games in the world and i knew as soon as i uh, as soon as i decided that i saw it in my mind and then i just set out to do it or um, I knew I was going to achieve this thing against all the odds, even though I didn't know how. So that element of intention comes up again and again. That links into um, mindset, right? So what I see in people that have been extraordinarily successful is that they they um, think differently. So they have this vision they plan backwards from it rather than planning forwards incrementally like most people do most people think okay well I'm here at the moment I'm going to plan forwards based on where I am Mm. um and then I think I think well there was one more thing in my head which I think is kind of slipping out of my head it's really annoying when that happens
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I always forget the third thing thing when I try and list three things (laughs)
0: Yeah, this is why this is why I have to write everything down. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think um, the third element, if I had to name something as well would be um, understanding the interaction between the inner and outer and the personal and professional. Mm. So what I mean by that is if you are going through a traumatic phase in your life, So, I don't know, you have relationship problems or some kind of personal trauma has happened. It does impact your business life. Um, And um, until you sort out what's going on in the inner world, you risk um, not achieving the level of success that you would like on the outside. Mm. And it's interesting, again the pattern I tend to see is someone will say to me I've been really successful up to this point in my life and then everything felt like a struggle thereafter and I say okay well what happened in your personal life at that point in time nine times out of ten there's always something Mm. and it's something that's either ongoing or they haven't quite dealt with Mm. but as soon as they take that on things start to shift so the depression I talked about myself last year I knew that sorting that out was integral to uh, business success Hmm. so those are (laughs) those are three things in an incredibly long-winded way no it was
1: good really helpful um I think that last one's particularly very interesting because I think as as a business owner with a growing business you're constantly focusing on everything but yourself in a way it's like well oh I need to hire this person and then I need to make sure they're okay and then I need to do this marketing campaign and do that and manage that and then I need to do this and that and the other and you, yeah you very rarely take the time to actually ask yourself like what do I need to work on in me <laughs> to, exactly. help to be successful
0: yeah it's so true but you are the key and you can either do it the easy way or the hard way hmm. the easy way is Okay, I'm going to sort out everything that I need to sort out. And when I do, I understand that the actions that I take will be more impactful and uh, everything I do will be accelerated. Or you can do it the hard way where you bury your head in the sand and you're like, right, well, (laughs) I'm just going to carry on blindly taking action that doesn't go anywhere without understanding why it's not going anywhere. Mm, yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think that's a great great message to end on um so thank you so much for your time today Sarah it was really valuable and yeah I feel like we could definitely get a part two out of this I feel like there's still way more that we could talk about
0: thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed this conversation and yeah I mean (laughs) I could literally talk for hours on this I don't think most people want to listen to me talk for hours on this but very happy to do a part two (laughs) amazing
1: Thank you so much for listening. And please don't keep these millionaire secrets to yourself. I actually have a favor to ask you. Now we're in season two. I really want to get this podcast out in front of more people, which means pleasing the podcast algorithms. So starting from now, every week, I'll be selecting one person who leaves a five-star review or who shares this podcast with a friend to have a free business coaching session with me. If you would like to hear more from me or get to know me a bit more, um, you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at and Jepson, or you can join the Success Circle Network Facebook group or you could visit BethAndJepsen.com for a whole bunch of free resources for building a business that not only allows you to scale to seven figures, but that also allows you to scale your business and have time for the things that make you happy and healthy. Success without sacrifice is my ethos. I am so thrilled to be recording podcasts again, so please get ready for some great episodes this season and I will see you and speak to you all very soon. Welcome to episode seven of season two of the Millionaire Secrets podcast. Sarah Sabin quit the financial corporate world back in 2015 to take her side hustle startup full-time, which she later quit, despite it still being a successful business today. In fact, it's the world's biggest doctor-led community and marketplace for doctors exploring alternative careers and well-being. She then launched a second startup, which upon securing investment for, which is no easy feat, she decided to quit again. During this time, she also quit living in the UK instead finding a home in Malaga, Spain. This all led to her finding the career path in which she says she will never quit. Her coaching business, where she works with high growth entrepreneurs who want to 10X their business in the next few years. Sarah is the master of strategic quitting and finding your own path in entrepreneurship, which she writes about extensively for Entrepreneur Magazine and Fast Company. Translating her journey into my own language, I would say Sarah's journey is an unapologetic search for her version of success without sacrifice and it's clear she has now found it. Now she's on a mission to do what few coaches have actually managed to achieve, scaling to seven figures while still providing quality transformations. This was an honest conversation in which it became clear to me how much Sarah loves what she does, how she has a very straightforward process for making the journey of entrepreneurship a bit less rocky for herself and for her clients, and how evolved her perception of risk is, as well as her resilience. I would love to hear your key takeaways on social or by email, but for now, please enjoy this episode.